Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying Podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. we got a lot of NFL things to go over today. But first, I want to talk about what has stood out to me in sports. And this has to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, we all know the Pittsburgh Steelers suffered their first loss this past Monday against the Washington football team. And to be quite honest with you, it was well-deserved on Pittsburgh's part because of the simple fact that, and and I really truly mean this, Pittsburgh is literally and more than likely probably the worst 11-0 team, probably probably not not only that I've ever seen, but probably in the history of the National Football League. And I say that for this reason. Number one, I've never seen a team and I've watched the Pittsburgh Steelers play at least five five to about six times this year. I've never seen a Steelers team on three different occasions. And again, this is not, again, and I and before I put this out there, all the Steelers fans out there, that all the Steelers fans out there that are listening to this, please stop thinking that I'm hating on you guys because I'm not. This is just me, this is just me stating facts, okay? You guys are literally one of the worst 11-0 teams I have ever seen and probably in league history. But here are the reasons why. Number one, I have never, number one, on three separate occasions this year, okay, I get it that you play who you play on your schedule. But at the end of the day, Pittsburgh has been playing on the edge too long this entire season. They've played on the edge in so many games this year that I'm not surprised that Pittsburgh has not lost at least three or four games in a row. But, again, one of the reasons why I believe Pittsburgh is really not as good as their record says they are is because, number one, on three separate occasions, they've allowed backup quarterbacks to not only hang around in games, Jeff Driscoll with the Broncos in the beginning of the season, Andy Dalton in the middle of the season or towards the middle of the season and my Baltimore Ravens a couple of weeks ago with RG3 and Trace McSorley. On three separate occasions, Pittsburgh found a way to just let those teams with backup quarterbacks or in my Ravens case, multiple backup quarterbacks hang in those games and damn near defeat them. But Pittsburgh didn't and they won those games, so... It's whatever at the end of the day. Number two, Pittsburgh completely has ignored running the football. They don't even try to run the ball anymore. I don't care what anybody says to me. I've watched the Pittsburgh Steelers long enough to know that if you put the game in in the hands of Big Ben Roethlisberger, you're going to lose games, period. And I'm going to go back to this again. Until until Pittsburgh loses a game in the playoffs, I'm going to continue to keep hammering at Pittsburgh until they finally get it again. But here's the, here's the issue with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are getting away from what has got them to the success that, 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 that they've gotten to at this point. Ben Roethlisberger, since Mike, Tomlin's, since Mike Tomlin became his head coach in 2007, Big Ben's been to three Super Bowls, won two of them. I'm sorry, been to two, I'm, I'm sorry, been to two Super Bowls, won one of them. And why is that? Because even before Big Ben got there and even before, well, actually, no, I'm sorry, even before Mike Tomlin got to, got to Pittsburgh, 
Bill Cowher was his head coach. But then even before, Pittsburgh drafted Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh had running backs like Frankie Blyer, Franco Harris, Jerome Bettis when he first got there, Amos Zeraway, Vernon Haynes. And then, and then four years into Big Ben's career, Willie Parker. And then when Willie Parker and Jerome Bettis eventually moved on, you brought you drafted Le'Veon Bell. And now James Conner and Benny Snell. Bottom line is this. Whenever Pittsburgh has won the Super Bowl, they have had a top five rushing attack in the National Football League. Bottom damn line. It is just that simple. And I'm going to continue to say this again until I'm blue in the face. It would not surprise me one damn bit at all. And I and I want Steelers fans to remember this. I brought this up a few episodes ago, but I want Steelers fans to remember this. Do you Steelers, do you guys remember when you guys played the Dallas Cowboys and it got to a point in that game where Pittsburgh just went five wise the rest of the game and James Conner was sitting on the sideline? And James Conner was looking up at the Jumbotron, frustrated and upset because he was not involved in the offense. I'm telling you right now. And again, this 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 may this may totally not happen. And I could completely be wrong on all of this. But it would not surprise me if Pittsburgh goes into the playoffs and they're either and they're either one and done or they or they lose their first playoff game in general and James Conner is either not involved or barely involved in the offense at all Pittsburgh loses and then and then when the season is over a few months later James Conner asks for a trade and Pittsburgh, and James Conner is out of Pittsburgh just like Le'Veon Bell was it would not surprise me one bit i'm i'm telling you man Pittsburgh for Big Ben, Big Ben in the last two games has thrown over a hundred times total. You're not gonna win playing foot. You're not gonna win Super Bowls playing like that. You're not. And, and then on top of that, what makes this even worse for Pittsburgh? You don't. That you lost Devin. But Pittsburgh lost Devin Bush for the year with a torn ACL. Bud Dupree out for the year with a torn ACL. Robert Spillane, Devin Bush's backup, is now out for a couple of weeks with a knee injury. And here's the other thing. Pittsburgh is lucky that they have Minka Fitzpatrick. Because if because if Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't in this lineup right now, Pittsburgh secondary, to be perfectly honest, this Pittsburgh secondary right now reminds me of reminds me of the secondary that they had that they had with Troy Palomalu. Yes, they had Ike Taylor. Yes, they had Deshae Towns, and yes, they had Bryant McFadden. But what made Pittsburgh's secondary even scarier than what it probably actually should have been, or could have been, or actually should have been, or actually really was, was Troy Palomalu. Troy Palomalu, just like Ed Reed here in Baltimore, made that Steelers secondary even more scary than what it actually was. So. Bottom line is this, Pittsburgh, if Pittsburgh continues to play like this, if they continue to go down this route of putting the ball in Big Ben's hands and having Big Ben throw it 51 times and not really run the football, Pittsburgh is going to lose their first playoff game or they're going to be or they're going to come up against a team that 
is just not potent enough to go toe to toe with that Steelers offense. They're Pittsburgh's going to get lucky, win their first round playoff game, and go to the divisional round and get proper and get blown off the field. I really believe that's what's going to happen. Again, Pittsburgh has thrown the Big Ben has thrown the football over a hundred times. Pittsburgh has ran the football a total of, if I'm not mistaken, a total of 27 times in two games. Because they because they ran they ran it 13 times against the Ravens and then ran it another 14 times against Washington. You're not going to win games like that. I don't care if you're 11-0 or not. So bottom line is, at the end of the day, Pittsburgh, you need to get it together. Get it together because, to be honest, I would not be surprised if you lose your first playoff game or if, you, or if you're one and done in the playoffs. It's just that simple. I don't care how good your defense is. It doesn't that 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 does not mean squat to me. Period. So, you know, bottom line is Steelers fans get ready for some disappointment because y'all not winning the Super Bowl. I would be shocked if y'all even make it to the AFC Championship game at this point. I honestly would. It would not surprise me one bit if you guys end up being one and done or you guys end up losing your first playoff game. And here's another thing. Really quickly. Here's another thing that come playoff time, Pittsburgh is really going to struggle with in the playoffs. Pittsburgh is ranked, if I'm not mistaken, I just looked this up. Pittsburgh is ranked 26th in fourth down conversion percentage. 26th, which means that Pittsburgh cannot convert on fourth down to save their damn life. They can't. They, they just, they can't. That is going to be very, very crucial for Pittsburgh come play, come playoff time. So you have, so you have, at least, so you have four issues. You can't, Pittsburgh can't run the ball. Big Ben's throwing it 50 plus times a game. Your two best linebackers are out, Bud Dupree and Devin Bush. And also you can't, and also you struggle to convert on fourth down conversions. On fourth down. Those four problems right there are a recipe for a loss in the playoffs. Again, this is not me hating on you Steelers fans. You guys have great perimeter weapons. Big Ben is, is Big Ben is probably going to be a future Hall of Famer, probably borderline. But at the end of the day, numbers don't lie. I and and, and to be perfectly honest, my eyes don't lie neither. This is not me hating on you guys. This is just me stating the facts. Yes, I know you guys play who you play. You guys play who's on your schedule, and I totally understand that, and I get it and respect it. But at the end of the day, like I said before, and I'm going to say it again, you will not win another championship with Big Ben playing the way that you've been playing the last couple of weeks. It's just not going to happen. And I would not be surprised if this bleeds into the playoffs for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up very, very soon in January. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you why the Washington football team proved this past Monday against Pittsburgh that they are going to be a legitimate problem more than likely this year, but more so next year. And also coming up, I'm going to tell you why I've changed my stance on the John Wall, Russell Westbrook trade, and I'm going to give you one person and his, and, his, and this person's reason as to why I've kind of changed my stance on that. Stay tuned, y'all. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I want to talk about a certain team in the nation's capital. Obviously, I can't say their name anymore because we all know why their name is not being used anymore. And it was about damn time that that name had gotten removed from that team's that team's brand and that team's organization. I want to talk about the Washington football team for a second. The Washington football team, as we all know, defeated the defeated the previously undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers this past this past Monday in a doubleheader of Monday night, of Monday night football games. This Washington football team is absolutely ridiculous to watch. And I say ridiculous to watch in a good way, okay? Number 1, they have a quarterback in Alex Smith who didn't even need to did he honestly Alex Smith didn't didn't even need to throw one single pass at all for the entire 2020 season and he would have easily won NFL comeback player of the year. If you have not seen Alex Smith's doc Alex Smith's documentary on the leg injury that he suffered and how he and how he came back from it, you need to go watch that documentary. It is very very good. It it is it is it is incredible. Go back go go and watch it when you have a chance to. But also I want to talk about how this Washington football team, their defense is just absolutely sick. Jonathan Bostick at the linebacker position, Ronald Darby at the cornerback position, Landon Collins, who they signed in free agency in free agency from the New York Giants, signed him to a six year, eighty million dollar contract. Also DeShazer, DeShazer Everett, who is next to Landon Collins, but then but and and then also, like I said before, Ronald Darby, you know, Fabian Moreland, you know, and the guy and also and and also Kendall Fuller, who was previously a chief, but now is a Washington football team player, um, who was traded for Alex Smith, but eventually he ended up back with Alex Smith in Washington. So, but let's talk about this front seven for a second. Like I said before, Jonathan Bostic. But this front four for the Washington football team, Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. This is probably by far probably next to Philadelphia, probably the best front seven in the NFL. And to be honest, it's, and to be honest, it's probably not even close. I've never seen, I honestly don't remember the last time I've seen Big Ben Roethlisberger get harassed like that in a game. And, and, and again, obviously we all know Ron Rivera is the head coach. Ron Rivera fits this Washington football team right now. He fits them to a T. Here's the pro here's the only issue, and it's really not even an issue or issues with the Washington football team right now. We all know Alex Smith. Uh there, there was a report that the Washington football team they want to hold on to Alex Smith beyond the 2020 season that beyond the 2020 season they want to hold on to him for the 2021 season but in my opinion what i believe the washington football team will do is eventually go on and obviously draft a franchise quarterback to eventually take over for alex smith when he eventually retires but again 
Alex Smith doesn't turn the ball over. They're running game with J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson in the backfield. They have a running game now. Logan Thomas is an absolute handful at the tight end position. They don't need a tight end. Yes, they have Jeremy Sprinkle, who they drafted out of Arkansas. And yes, they have Logan Thomas, who was a former quarterback at Virginia Tech, who's now a tight end. But Logan Thomas was a handful for, for Pittsburgh to deal with. But... The only thing that this team is missing, the only issues that they may have, and it's really not, and it's really not much. They need a number one wide receiver. Yes, they have Cam Sims. Yes, they have Stephen Wims. Yes, they have Dontrell Inman, and yes, they have Antonio Gandy Golden, who they drafted out of Southern Miss. But at the end of the day, you also you do need an a big time number one wide receiver. I believe they have a bunch of a bunch of twos and maybe a couple of threes on that football team right now. They need a number one playmaking wide receiver. And right now they don't have that. And they need to fix that offensive line. Once they fix once they get that straightened out, once they fix that offensive line, and they get that 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 number one, that number one impact playmaking wide receiver, you can Honestly, they can continue to beef up that front seven all they want. They can continue to beef up that front seven. But like I said before, if they fit, if they get that number one wide receiver, if they get that number one playmaking wide receiver, and they fix that offensive line, and they and they and they tweak that offensive line, the Washington football team will be an absolute issue for all of the other teams in the NFC going forward next year. They're start, you're starting to really truly see how good they actually are right now. But come next year, when Ron Rivera is able to put his stamp on this football team, and I'm talking about a legitimate stamp, this Washington football team is going to be a seri- an even more serious problem to deal with. And I'll go as far as to say they could be a legitimate contender in the NFC. I really, really mean that. So, Washington football team fans, you guys have a lot to be excited about. You guys have a lot to be joyful about. Ron Rivera is is heading is 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 heading this team in the right direction. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Ron Rivera for recovering from his cancer. Congratulations to you, Ron Rivera. You fought like hell to get to this point. I'm very proud of you. A lot of a lot of football fans are proud of you. Continue to be the man that you are. I'm proud of you. You're gonna you're gonna head this team in the right direction or continue to head this team in the right direction. And I would not be surprised if your team is a serious contender next year. Washington football Washington football team fans, you guys have a lot to be excited about. A lot to be excited about. Hell, y'all may even mess around and win the division this year. You just you just never, ever know. You never, ever know. But for right now, Washington, that's a damn good football team, man. Damn good team. Next up, I want to talk about John Wall and Russell Westbrook. We all know what happened with John Wall and Russell Westbrook. The, tra- the, the trade swap of point guards. Originally, I really didn't think that that was that that this trade made sense for either team, but I I listened to Colin Cowherd and what he said about why this trade made more sense for Washington than it did Houston, and I and I and I tend and I tend to agree with him. He said that this trade made more sense for Washington because with Russell Westbrook, he doesn't cheat you, 
He's been fair. He's been he's been more he's been he's been more fairly healthy over his career than John Wall has. And the biggest difference between John Wall and Russell Westbrook is John Wall. And I agree with him when he said this. John Wall hadn't played in two years. So you're going to trade for a guy in John Wall who hasn't played in two years, whose game is predicated off of speed, who just like Russell Westbrook can't shoot. Both of their contracts are really not that good, but if you really want to get technical, John Wall's contract is really is really worse. But Russell Westbrook stays healthy more than John Wall does. And then on top of that, Bradley Beal wanted to play with Russell Westbrook more than he did John Wall. So, and then on top of that, how does this help Houston in trying to keep James Harden? Because I believe it's going to get to a point where, and this is always the case with players and organizations staring each other down to see who's going to blink first as far as a player wanting out. The player is always going to win this argument. The player is always going to win this war when it comes to wanting out. The Rockets organization is talking about how we're going to get used to being uncomfortable. Well, continue to get used to it because it's going to get to a point where you're going to get so uncomfortable to where you're not going to want to tolerate James Harden anymore. And speaking of James Harden, James Harden is doing every damn thing in his power to say, I do not want to be here. This dude is out in clubs missing practices on purpose. And I really believe, I honestly believe James Harden's doing this on purpose. Okay. He's going out, he's going out to clubs, not wearing a mask. Missing practices simply because now, 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 recently, now, recently, a few days ago, he did show up to Houston and he did and, and he did take the COVID test. He did take some COVID test and he's now he's now with he's now with the Rockets. But still, bottom line, how is John Wall? How is trading for a guy in John Wall who has not played in two years? Going to going to going to help convince James Harden to stay. I don't believe it will. I honestly don't believe it will. So that's my take on this whole John Wall Russell Westbrook trade. I agree with Colin Cowherd. This trade benefits Washington more than it does Houston. Because James Harden, like I said before, James Harden's playing with a guy that hasn't played in two years. And then on top of that, Russell Westbrook is playing for Scott Brooks again. He's playing he, He's playing for Scott Brooks again, who coached him in Oklahoma City. So that's something that Russell Westbrook is familiar with. He's familiar with that. So this works out better for Washington than it does Houston. But next up, ladies and gentlemen... I want to give you my top three most interesting games of week 14 in the NFL. Okay. My top three most, my my third most interesting game for week 14 in the NFL. Number three, the Raiders at the Colts. I believe this game is going to flat out determine who gets the number six seed in the playoffs in the AFC. I believe that the Raiders if Josh Jacobs plays in this game, which I believe he he could, there's a he could there's a chance that he could play. But I just feel like the Colts, in my opinion, the Colts are heading down. 
a not so good territory. And not only that, the Colts just lost their starting left tackle, LaRaven Clark, for the season with a torn Achilles. So that that's that's huge. And not only that, speed kills. The Raiders the Raiders have a lot of speed, and I just don't believe the Colts will have enough on defense to stop it. That's why I believe the Las Vegas Raiders will go into Indianapolis and knock off the Colts 31-26. to And like I said before, the winner of this game will get into the playoffs, in my opinion. The number two most interesting game, my number two most interesting game for Week 14 in the NFL, the Steelers at the Bills, Sunday night football. In my opinion, I believe Pittsburgh, I believe Pittsburgh losing to Washington has actually knocked some sense into them a little bit. And I believe Pittsburgh will actually at least try to get back to running the football. Buffalo's run defense is really not all that great. Derrick Henry Derrick Henry ran all over them. And I know it's Derrick Henry and it's the Tennessee Titans. But still, I believe Pittsburgh will get right this time. And they will actually try to run the damn football. And I believe Pittsburgh actually gets back on track and they win this game 30-20. to 20, 30-20. And my number one most interesting game for week 14 in the National Football League, the Kansas City Chiefs will take on the Miami Dolphins in Miami. As as much as I like Brian Flores and as much as I like the Miami Dolphins and I'm picking them to win the and I'm picking them to win the AFC East, as much as I like that Miami defense, I just feel like in my opinion, and I know it's late in the season and very, very good teams who go down to Miami late in the season struggle. This just feels like, to me, Kansas City is just too damn good offensively. It would not surprise me if Miami won this game. It really would not surprise me. Because, think about it, if Miami wins this game and Buffalo loses to Pittsburgh, Miami is so close to being in, to, is so close to, to overtaking Buffalo in the AFC East that it won't even be funny. But at the same time, Buffalo losing and Miami losing actually benefits Miami in this case, too. So with that being said, I believe that Kansas City will just will just have too much firepower for Miami to overcome. And the Kansas City Chiefs keep up with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the and the Kansas City Chiefs win this game 34 to 24. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Obviously, you know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2012. Why do I bring up the year 2012? We talked about the Washington football team earlier today in the show. And I want to bring up the 2013 season because that is the, or the 2012 season, excuse me, because that is the year that Robert Griffin III, who is now the backup quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, won NFL Rookie of the Year in Washington. But that is also the same year that RG3 tore his ACL and Kirk Cousins took over after that. But RG3 eventually came back and started in the 2013 wildcard playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks. People forget that the Washington football team had a 14 to nothing lead in the beginning of this game. But everything just simply fell apart after that. And Seattle went on to win that game and Seattle moved on to play Atlanta in the divisional round. 
And they eventually lost that game. But what if? I'm gonna throw this. I, I, I'm going to throw this what if scenario out to you, Washington football team fans. What if the Washington football team had actually held on and won that game? What if RG three? Obviously, RG three went out with that ACL injury. He injured. He injured it even further than what he already did in that game. And Kirk Cousins came in, but the offense just refused to click. Obviously, we all know. With, with that Washington football team, they had Pierre Garçon. They had Alfred Morris in the backfield. So at the end, but, but at the end of the day, I asked you guys this question. What if the Washington football team had actually held on with Kirk Cousins at the quarterback position and held on and knocked off Seattle in that game? Do you guys know who the Washington football team would have actually went on to face in the divisional round if they had won that game? They would have went on to face the. They would have. They would have went on to face Colin Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round. How do you guys? And I want you guys to ask you. And I, and I want you guys to ask yourselves this question: How do you guys think that Kirk Cousins and that Washington football team that was put together would have been able to match up with Colin Kaepernick and that San Francisco 49ers football team with Frank Gore? with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis on the defensive side of the football, with Michael Crabtree and Ted Ginn Jr. and Vernon Davis. How would that Washington football team with how would that Washington football team have been able to match up against against the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round if they'd have won that game? If if Washington would have gotten past Seattle. We'll never ever we will never ever know the answer to that question, ladies and gentlemen. That's why this is a what if scenario. That's why I'm leaving you with this what if, because you just never, ever know. But again, ladies and gentlemen, Washington football team fans, you guys have a lot to be excited about. The Washington football team is going to be very, very dangerous next year. You're already starting to see how good they really can be, and they're getting better and better and better and better with each game. Next year, when they make some tweaks to this roster, Washington going to be a problem. And they're going to be one of my playoff teams next year. Just throwing that out there, ladies and gentlemen. But again, that's why, with, with, with that being said, that's why this is a what-if scenario. What if Washington would have gotten past Seattle in that wildcard game and went on to play Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers in that, in, that, in that NFC Divisional Round game? You never, ever know. That's why this is what-if. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.